we get into this episode of Crucial Connection, we do want to put a trigger warning. There will be discussion on suicide this entire episode and all the episodes of this month. Welcome back to Crucial Connection. We hope that you took a listen at our debut episode, our introductory episode. But if you didn't, then I'm going to give you a quick little synopsis here. Crucial Connection is a podcast dedicated to providing information and resources to our community, empowering and educating our citizens on topics to include domestic violence, sexual assault, suicide awareness, and mental health, and more. Also providing assistance and tools to those who are in need. If you're not aware, September is Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. So for the next few episodes, we will just be talking about that and how it affects our jobs and how we can help what tools and resources are out there as well. So to get started, we actually have a guest with us today who's one of our telecommunications operators or more well-known as dispatchers in the past, the very first responder, in my opinion. So we have Vicki today. Vicki, can you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, hi listeners. Um, my name is Vicki. I have been in the 911 industry since 2004. Um, worked for various different agencies. I got in this field because my first original career path was going to be into nursing, but I hurt myself, injured myself, so I couldn't continue on. And this was the next step for me to be able to help people without injuring myself even further. Nice. Yeah. Very so nice. before crime scene, I was actually in dispatch for about four years. So I don't have quite as much of experience as Vicki does in that. So we asked her to be here today so that we can start our discussion on suicide awareness and prevention and kind of just what it entails for when you may have to call 911, either for yourself or for a family member. So Vicki, if you could just give us kind of like a little breakdown of what you guys need and what to expect when they do call. Perfect. Um, first and foremost, whenever you call 911 for whatever it is, we need your location. If you don't know the exact address, cross streets, landmarks, somewhere where we can know where to find you. Because if all else fails, we can at least look for you and then get you help from that point. Um, then we'll ask series of questions so if you're the caller, we're going to try and ask you questions about what's going on, how you plan on harming yourself, if you have the access to um, harm yourself, and why. And we're just going to try and keep you on the phone, try and talk to you, and at that point, kind of go into a counselor mode to see what we can do to help you out until we can get officers or responders on scene to further help you. So we'll, we'll try and get a report. We'll get your name and just talk and see what's going on and, and just, you know, try and have a normal conversation with you like we're friends. That's great. Yeah, and you can call 911. You may even get some of these calls on the non-emergency mm -hmm. line, but there's also texting to 911, which wasn't even a thing when I first started dispatching nine years ago. <laughs> uh, so wait, can you tell them a little bit about how that even works? Texting to 911 is always great. It's a good way to where if you're not in a safe location to have a conversation to get help. Um, as anybody knows, text, it does take a little while for 
the text to go through for the person to respond and to have that conversation. So if you are texting us, one of the main things, just give us the location. Or if you don't know your location, you could drop a pin into where your location's at. And you could do it with both Android phones and Apple phones and give us the location that'll give us the closest proximity and we'll be able to get you help and just a quick what's going on. Um, one of the questions we're always going to need to know is if there's any weapons. Um, that way our officers are safe and we know how to help keep you safe as well. Yeah, for sure. And I know that like getting locations sometimes can be kind of difficult. I haven't been in dispatch in a long time, so I don't know how well the technology has advanced on that. But we were discussing, you know, a cell phone versus like a landline, which mm -hmm. people don't really have landlines anymore. Um, much easier to plot on a map when you have a landline. So, you know, our listeners might be wondering if I'm calling on a cell phone, how are you going to find my location if I don't really know it? Um, there's different, it depends on you have your location service or location on your phone turned on. There's two different uh, phases. There's phase one, which is hitting just the tower. So it's not a good location. Um, and then there's a phase two, which triangulates between the, the towers. And it gives us an proximity of where you're at within so many different meters. Um, they're never 100% spot on, but it, if it's something close by, it can give us something within six to 10 meters and that's usually a good location and there's sometimes where we can get like 100 to 200 meters and that's where we're going to try and get a narrow down yeah what happens if the phone call drops while you're on the call we can as long as we keep the line still active we can try what's called repinging the phone to get a good location um, if we do lose connection with the caller we are to attempt to call back and then depending on the situation, we're going to keep, continue to, to attempt to call back until we get either an officer or responder on scene or until we get a hold of you. I think something that we all have experienced is that TVs and movies have made our jobs a little more difficult just because things that happen in those shows don't really happen in real life as well. So something I think... Oh, not everybody understands is pinging phones and that you can only ping them for certain reasons. So if you wanted to kind of touch on that too. Um, there are laws based on pinging phones. Um, the only way you can legally ping a phone is if it's an active threat against a person themselves or immediate threat towards somebody else. So if somebody's wanting to ping a phone because their child their 14 year old child went missing with no suicidal ideations or attempts, but they just went, they left the house. We can't ping a phone for that. But if somebody is actively trying to harm themselves or intentionally trying to harm somebody else, then uh, certain protocols will allow us to try and ping a phone. And those are done through the phone company. We don't have access to ping them in our agency. We have to contact the phone company. Certain phone companies will take and have certain guidelines for you to com complete and documentation to complete uh, to be able to ping the phone. So sometimes it will take five minutes. Sometimes it can take up to two hours. 
to get a good paying the bay thing also. That's what I was gonna ask you. Yeah. Long and then prepaid cells, you can't paint at all because mm -mm. they're prepaid. And I would think that you know sometimes people will have phones that are turned off. They're mm -hmm. old mm -hmm. kids. They can still yeah. kind of call nine one one and play on it by accident. But those right can't be pinged either, or they can be. No, they cannot. Yeah, because it there's no phone number for them to right. access or or what phones that are just Wi-Fi calling only. Right. If there's no phone number attached to it, they can't ping it. And okay. with the old cell phones, as long as a cell phone has a battery power to it and it is able to power on, it's always going to be able to call 911. It's a safety feature. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's definitely something that TVs and movies have not always gotten right when it comes to 911. Um, you know, there's that, that 911 TV show we've all seen too, I'm sure. But... I know different departments do different things, right? So the first department I ever worked for, I dispatched for police, fire, and EMS. Versus here, you guys are using the county for some of that, and you've also worked at different agencies too. So I just want to talk to the listeners about, you know, when they call here at least, what to expect if they need more than just police. Um, when we call and you need a fire or EMS, we will get the basic information to try and see if we need to send officers as well. Um, and if not, then we will connect over to Williamson County, who will then further ask questions and they go through protocols, which they have specific questions. They're going to need you to answer as quickly as possible because they're not able to send a response until they, they get the basic information. And usually it's about five or six questions in then they'll send start EMS and then continue asking questions and give um, instructions of what to do and how to help the person out while responders are on the way. Yeah, and I think for a call like this, like a suicide, whether it's a person or somebody they're calling about, you know, you're going to expect to be on just a slight brief transfer mm -hmm. to not hang up during that transfer. Mm -hmm. And then I know, at least when I was a dispatcher, we would sometimes jump in on the EMS calls and go, oh, can you hold on one second? I've got a question to ask too. So just for them to be aware of those things, I think is important. Um, we've really appreciated your time so far. You've had some really great information. We wanted to see if you had any advice for our listeners out there who might end up calling 911 one day. Whether you're calling 911 for yourself or for somebody else, um, we're always going to be here to help we need to ask questions and it's not slowing anybody down. It's just to try and paint the picture for the officers who are driving to the scene so they are aware of what's going on because they can't hear the phone calls and they can't hear what we're hearing. So we've got to relay that information to them. And if at any time you feel that your safety is in danger by continuing talking to us, don't hang up the phone. Just put it down and leave it as an open line, and we will listen into what's going on. And if you're never, if you need a call and put the phone down without ever making contact, just every so often, just give us the location so that way we know where to go. Because that's the most important thing. Because once we know where to go, we can handle it from there. We just need to know where to go. That's really great information that really most people wouldn't know mm -hmm. necessarily what to do. I think it's also kind of a stigma where you call 911, but you better have a really good reason to call. Do you ever get calls where somebody may be suicidal or even has somebody that you know they're connected to that has said something? Do they ever call you because they know it's an emergency to some extent, but they just kind of want a little bit of information from the dispatcher? 
We we get a lot of calls on 911 that people will say their first thing is, I'm sorry, it's not an emergency. For the most part, if it's an emergency to you, it's an emergency. If you feel like you need help, that's what it's there for. And don't ever hesitate to give us a call because it's something that is built for the taxpayers and it, it's a source to be utilized. Yeah, and I would still save the non-emergency number in your phone book and your phone for cell phone just so that you know if need be you could call the non-emergency line um 911 obviously and then 988 which is a suicide hotline number that we mentioned in the first episode and the if you need it and you would like to save it right now our non-emergency number is 512-528-2800 so thank you, Vicki, for joining us thank today. So We've got a little bit more to talk about on this topic, but we're going to go ahead and let our guest get back down to what she does best, which is dispatching. Yes. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. You gave us a lot of really great information. Well, that was super insightful and yeah. super helpful to have. I think that what people don't realize with dispatchers is that they are the first responder. They're the first person that you talk to, the first person that makes a connection with the person and you know a lot of times they hang up the phone and they have to immediately answer the next one and they don't get to know what's happened and so I I know that our officers and firefighters do try to give them that information that can be one of the hardest parts of the job for them so knowing how it ends yeah so we love them We're, we're very thankful to have them they get us great information before we ever get to the scene yes. and that's what we're going to talk about next is getting to a scene and so if you listen to our first episode then you are aware of who Myrna is, yes, my hi, co-host everybody. here right now, and me, Haley. So, but if you didn't, I am the crime scene and evidence supervisor here at Leander PD. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit about when I do go to a suicide scene. So again, these episodes are going to have some really hard and hurtful type topics. And so, you know, if this isn't something that you want to continue to listen to, you can skip forward a little bit, but we're just going to try to give you guys some great information of what to expect and, you know, how to get the resources you might need if you do end up in a situation like this. So the first thing that happens is, of course, officers go out there and they determine whether or not the criminal investigations division or CID is needed and myself and Myrna are both a part of that division as civilians. Yes. So at that point, they're determining whether we're needed as well. And so once I get out there, I go ahead and I take photos. And I know it might be hard as a family member to see a crime scene van outside of the house, especially when it's something like this. You're like, well, that's not a crime. But there are times out there where staged suicides do happen. And also, you know, we're there to help and we're just trying to make sure that all of the information is collected so that that you have it as well. So I'll take photos and I will take photos of the entire house. I know that sometimes that is kind of different and people aren't really aware that that's going to happen. They might think that it's just the area where it occurred at that gets photos taken, but it is the entire house and scene itself. And then I actually still do, because some departments don't, a hand sketch. And so what what I'm doing there is I'm sketching the person, the victim in this situation, and any evidence around them that might be important. So if they used something or, I mean, if their phone is near them, anything that that seems like it could be important to the scene, I'm going to put on there. And I would rather put more things on there that are not needed than not have enough on there. 
all the walls, windows, doors, everything gets sketched to its exact measurement. And then when I get back to the police department later, I actually input all that information into a software that's kind of more like an architectural type program, but they do have some crime scene see like designs on there that I can actually create the scenes and give it a little bit nicer of a representation, especially if it is something that other than the scenes we're talking about right now that might go to court, then those, those sketches become more important. And then of course, collecting evidence, which is a major part of it. And, and then especially in this scene, the most important part next to the photographs, because we're looking for suicide notes. You know, a lot of times family members want to know why. And a lot of times you may never know why they may never give you a reason why. And so we specifically search all over the place for a note just so that we can hopefully give the family some peace of mind, some kind of closure as to what happened. And like I said, not always possible, but it is something we strive to try to find. So collecting that, anything that was used, the manner of what was used, we're definitely going to collect that. And those are things that I know it seems crazy, but can be returned to family members. Um, I think that that's something that shocked me when I first started working in crime scene evidence was that people did want like firearms back after a scene. And sometimes it's because they're family heirlooms and sometimes it's because they want to sell it. And sometimes it's because, you know, it gives them closure to have those things. And so, you know, that, that, that to me was different. I thought that nobody would ever want those back and you don't have to have it back. Unfortunately, I have to ask, which was crazy to me too. So the law requires it because it's not my property. It's the family member's property. And so you can request for it to be destroyed. It is definitely not, if you can't handle to see it or you don't want to deal with it, then you can definitely in writing request for it to be destroyed. And it will be, um, we try not to bring up those feelings and, you know, as putting it lightly as possible, re-traumatizing people in that situation. But like I said, by law, unfortunately, I have to ask about things like that. Um, but yeah, we, we can return suicide notes and stuff like that as well. Definitely not something I was thinking of when I first started working here. Another thing that we will collect is a driver's license. And now that's collected by patrol not by myself or by the investigating detective. And that actually you can't have back, which was something that surprised me as well, because you would think, you know, it's your family member's property. So you should be allowed to have it back, but it actually gets mailed into the state, at least here in Texas. And that person, then the state can mark as somebody who is deceased. So they need that for reporting purposes, basically. So kind of something that I, I feel like a lot of people don't know and that they they need to know. Um, so one thing I wanted to mention was that after the body, after the family gets a chance to say goodbye and the body is taken, usually out here in this area, it's tranquil transport that takes them. Then we do secure the scene and we lock the doors as best as possible. If we find a key, again, that key would then be released to family, but we try to lock up before we leave unfortunately that doesn't include cleaning up the scene so something that you might not be expecting as next to kin is to walk in and still see some things that maybe are biohazards and so uh, my partner here Myrna will go in a little bit into crime scene cleanup 
companies and you know what that entails here in a little bit, but something to look into is a crime scene cleanup company, because unfortunately that's not something that we do and can help with. And the person, the victim in this situation, you know, if it's in Travis County, because we're two counties here, then a medical examiner's office actually comes out and also takes their own photos and does their own measurements and stuff like that. And they, it's actually their scene. And so they, they have to come out and they're the ones that will take it to Travis County medical examiner's office, do the autopsies and all like that. But if it's a JP, which is Williamson County, so that's our second county here, then they have to give us permission to even roll the body over. It's, it's actually theirs until they give us that permission and they will order or not order an autopsy. Usually for a situation like this, they will order an autopsy and that is paid for by the county. So thankfully it doesn't rely on the family to pay for that, but it is ordered by the judge. The last thing I wanted to discuss was to return to the topic of returning evidence, because I told you what I can and can't return, but not how to get it. So you would call up to the police department, which is that 2800 number, the last four digits there that we gave you a little bit earlier in this podcast, and you would request to speak to property and evidence. And so they would transfer you over to my line. I think here in the near future, we'll actually have a phone tree and you'll be able to press a button that goes straight to evidence and you won't have to worry about that, but it will, it will go to us. Either I'll be at my desk and I'll pick up the phone and answer you, or you will leave a voicemail and you'll just explain, you know, who you are and what you're looking for. If you have a case number, that would be amazing to leave that in the voicemail. It helps me know before I call you back where that item is and if it can or cannot be released yet in the scene. Uh, typically in a scene like this, a suicide, we want to have the final autopsy report before we release anything. You know, it's, it's just to make sure that it comes back what we were seeing on the scene as well. But once I have that, you can leave a voicemail saying that you want to pick up evidence and we would set an appointment time because since I do the evidence room and the crime scene, uh, I'm not always here at the PD. So I want to make sure to set a time and a day so that I can be here for you guys to release it. And that is either going to be yourself if it's your evidence or next of kin. And that can be a little bit difficult determining next of kin, especially in the state of Texas. If there's, you know, it's a family member is a parent and there's three siblings and no spouse, then it's going to be one of the, the kids, but we have to determine who that person is. So we're not giving the property to the, to the wrong person, basically. Um, and there are such things as property hearings and things like that in Texas, where you would have to go in front of a judge and discuss, you know, who's going to get certain things. So basically to wrap that up is just you call and you set an appointment with a time and a date and what you're looking to get back. And if it can be released, then we'll definitely set that appointment. And if it can't, then we can always follow up in a, at a later date to get that appointment set. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, if you don't want it, you want it destroyed, that would be something I would need in writing. Uh, so you would contact me and I would provide the email for you to go ahead and email, or you can mail a letter to the police department if you'd like to do that too. And once I have it in writing, I can then put it on a destruction order. And these destruction orders are signed by judges. 
And that judge is basically giving us permission to then destroy that item. And depending on what type of item it is, it basically gets crushed and you don't have to ever worry about it again. I think that is the most basic rundown I can give you about crime scene and evidence when it comes to at least these types of scenes. You know, like I said, difficult topics and we're not trying to get too crazy deep into it in the first episode of September, but since September is suicide prevention and awareness month, we are going to be talking about this all month long. Um, and we hope, we hope that we're not triggering someone or giving them any additional trauma, but we, we definitely want to share these resources and these things that we deal with on the daily basis. So now I'm going to hand it off to Myrna. And if you didn't listen to the first episode yet. Uh, I'm going to introduce her as our victim services coordinator. She's also in charge of our advocates who are volunteers for the crisis response unit, which is how we got our name, the CRU and Crucial Connection. So Myrna, why don't you go into kind of what you guys do on a scene and all that entails and the resources and tools that they get. Thank you so much, Haley. Uh, whenever there is a suicide, Usually the officer or detective will decide whether victim services is needed, depending on if there is next to kin or somebody there who obviously found the individual or knows that the individual can't be helped by EMS or fire. So they will usually call dispatch and then we will be called and they'll give us just basic information. If we're lucky, we'll get possibly a name or at least um, if it's a female or male and their age, usually when we are actually on the scene, we will talk to whoever the primary is so that we can get a bit more information, the name, date of birth, um, who the next of kin is, who's on scene, just so that way we can be a little bit more personal when we go and have to be introduced to the individuals. We always offer our condolences. It's never easy when you have a loss especially when it's suicide, because as Haley said before, it's the not knowing why or thinking, well, maybe it was because of this. And then you overthink things. If there is a suicide note, it can give you some peace, but there isn't always one, unfortunately. So we have a crisis response unit grief information booklet, but we also provide a folder with very important information that can be useful. Now we try to provide as much information as we can. And there are times that maybe we get asked a question and we don't have that information. If it's myself, I will look to see if I can get you that information. If it's one of my advocates and they don't know it, they can always contact me and we will try to get you that information as quickly as possible. I wanted to go over a little bit about our booklet as well as our folder. So Haley did mention crime scene cleanup. We do offer phone numbers in our booklet pertaining to that, because that may be covered under your homeowner's insurance. It's something that you would need to find out, but there's, I have about five listed just to give you more of a option because you never know who you want to utilize. And they may take longer maybe to, to answer your call or to give you a time frame of when they could go in there. But it's highly recommended whenever there is biohazard material don't clean it up because that can also cause more trauma for yourself. But having somebody who goes in because there are laws and restrictions that if there's biohazard material, it has to be disposed of in a specific way. That's why crime scene cleanup people are very important 
because they can offer not only support in some ways because they're explaining things to you, but you can come in knowing that there's nothing left like medical waste or anything like that. So that is something that we always recommend having. But we also have a chaplain program and the senior chaplain is Joe Bob Ellison. We basically partner with the fire department. So that's where our chaplains are organized over there. So we try to have both of us go to these scenes, whatever chaplain's on call, whatever advocate is on call. Now, one thing that I don't want people to worry about is just because it's got chaplain in their name, they don't necessarily talk to you about God. They're there to give you information and resources having to do with possibly a funeral that you're going to do. Uh, they know a little bit more about the different funeral homes and they are more informed as well on different religions and what their practices are when it comes to funerals or honoring their deceased loved one or friend. So that's just a disclaimer there, but we have wonderful chaplains and everybody is here to help as much as possible to the family, friends, loved ones, anybody that's involved with this individual. So we have basic information, how to obtain death certificates, how you can get a copy of the police report, um, how you can obtain medical records, location of belongings, and then phone numbers that you may find helpful, such as the Social Security Administration of their veterans, the Veterans Administration Regional Office, of course, ourselves here at the Crisis Response Unit. And I have the phone numbers for the two different medical examiners um, that you would utilize if you have Travis County, we have the phone number. For Williamson County, we don't have an official one, but we do utilize Hill Country Forensics. And that's part of what the Justice of the Peace that Haley mentioned, we actually have four different precincts. So depending on the location of Williams County where it happened, they would call the different ones. Now, sometimes they are on call and they may get whoever is on call at that time, but it's their crime scene. So we're very mindful of getting that information. So that way, if you have questions, we can provide you their name and then you can call and hopefully get the information that you need from them. And then notify your insurance agent and your bank. Um, some different um, like banks sometimes require you to have the actual uh, original copy as well as your insurance company, life insurance company, and others are accepting of copies. So what I always recommend is getting at least 10 because you never know. And then you can they can always get copies if that's something that they require. We have information on uh, grief reactions, lifestyle tips, because you're going through a loss. And so there's different ways that we deal with grief. And that's all a personal preference. How to choose a funeral home, some important details, you know, how to, to contact your like water bill for your um, electricity, things like that, that we don't always think about, uh, especially if you have a joint account your bank has to know or a joint credit card. They have to know that the person's deceased so that they can give you more of the ability to do what you need to do. We have words of caution, how to make funeral arrangements, sample letters. Sometimes you do need to do that. And we also have a section that you can write questions that you may want to ask us, the JP or whoever. And they're in English and in Spanish as well. So then we go into our actual booklets. Now, one thing I wanted just to make a note of is with animal services, if there is a pet or pets at the location of where the suicide happened, they will be put into custody by animal services. 
and they will try to make contact with the next of kin so that they could be picked up. Now, if they can't reach somebody, then they'll go ahead and put it to the nearest shelter. Again, it depends if it's Travis County or Williamson County, and they'll be put in protective custody. There's a time frame that they will hold on to the pet. Now, if nobody claims them, they will put them up for adoption. That's just to let you know what the process is, because pets, a lot of times, they're like our children. And we just want people to know that we are mindful that people love their pets. And if you want a family member to take them or they want to, they have that option as well. So some of the other things that we have in our folder is we have suicide common misconceptions. So these are just different things that we provide. And if there's any questions, please feel free to send me an email at mjohnson at leandertx.gov. Or if you have any personal stories that you would like to share, even if it's anonymous, it can make a difference in somebody's life at that moment because we don't know who's listening to our podcast, but we know it's individuals who want more information. And as Haley said before, we want to connect with our community. And there are individuals who may be able to offer you some support that you may have not even know that you needed at the time. Then we have suicide questions most frequently asked, grief after suicide, how suicide bereavement is different. And again, we all go through dramatic events and how we deal with them differently. It doesn't mean one is right and one is wrong. It's just we're all different individuals and we deal with trauma very differently. So this is just to give you a little bit more information on that. There's also nine popular online suicide survivor and family support groups. We also have suicide survivors, the ties that bind us. How I survived the suicide of my son, my 15 tips for grieving parents. Letter to the newly bereaved. Support for survivors of suicide loss. 10 things we know to be true, surviving suicide loss. 25 suggestions for survivors. 16 funeral poems for a loved one who died of suicide. Without judgment, helping others heal from a suicide loss. American Foundation for Prevention of Suicide. Their mission is to save lives and bring hope to those affected by suicide, which is very important. And then we also have suggested websites for support information. I know this is a lot of information that I'm giving you. This is just kind of a mini overview of what is in here. Because again, as I said before, we never know what the individual, the next kin, the family member, what information they need or want. And so we try to cover as many bases as we can. We also have crime victims compensation. If you have any questions on that, that's usually covered for domestic violence, sexual assaults. Unfortunately, suicide is not covered under crime victims compensation, which is through the Texas Attorney General's office. Most states, if not all, have crime victims compensation. And they're there to assist families, individuals as much as possible. But for this, we don't have it. So, um, but one thing to note is sometimes if you have a life insurance policy that may pay out to assist with any funeral costs and things like that, but it depends on the policy. So you would need to check just as an FYI. Now we also provide the, they don't have a 2023 yet, but this is 2022 and it's from the Funeral Consumers Alliance of Central Texas. They provide Austin area prices of selected cemeteries as well as prices of selected funeral homes, goods, and services. So that's something that's in here because most of the time we're not expecting one of our loved ones or one of our friends to die of suicide or other things. So this is something that kind of helps a little bit so you're not 
trying to figure out what's the next step because you're going to have those questions. The last few things that we have in here is five types of funerals, what you need to know, smart ways to cover the costs of funeral. There's more options than you think. Choosing a funeral home, the essential checklist. And then we do have message from social security. So this helps you kind of understand what the survivor benefits are, if there is that, and how to go about getting them. And we also have benefits for children that they may, if they're under 18, they do get a certain amount of the social security. So this is something that helps you be able to apply for those benefits. And then we also have something from the compassionate friends. And this is how can I help when a child dies? Those are one of the most difficult ones, obviously, as parents, we always think that we will go before our children. But, you know, we just want to cover as many important informational facts as possible to give families, friends, loved ones, the ability to know that there is help out there. And please feel free just to give us a call if you have any questions or email. And just know that we are here to assist as much as possible and that we are here for you during your time of grief. And we're here 24 seven. You could call me two, three years from now and I'm still going to talk to you and I'm still going to try to help you as much as possible because we all need to know that our voices are heard and they can be heard at any time. So Haley, anything else from you? Yes, uh, so those booklets and folders not just for suicide. There's other folders that we have we'll talk about on future episodes, but they do have a lot of information in them, but they have a lot of great information in them. And I think it sounds overwhelming. And I'm sure that when you're first handed this folder, it can be the most overwhelming it is. packet that you look at, you know, but once you start to look into those things and really see the types of things that are in there and listen, just listening to it just now, there's so much good that's in there that's needed for a scene like this. And I know that we're going to touch on some of those again yes. here in the next episode in the next few episodes, probably. Uh, we do have special guests coming a little bit later this month as well. So, you know, I'm just happy that we can share this information with you guys and, you know, give you a little bit of an overview of some of these things. And if you think of anything that you have heard or seen that might be good for a folder like this, please send it then also send an email. Yeah. To mjohnson at leandertx.gov because anything that can help with grief or funeral expenses or anything like that, that can go in this packet to help people would be amazing. You know, we're, we're always updating these things to help and, you know, to stay obviously with the times and technology, yes. the funeral homes in the area. So you know, again, just go ahead and reach out to us if you have any of that information. And remember, because it is an overwhelming situation, you don't have to remember any of this. And most of the time we will tell you, I know this is a lot. This is just to kind of give you that little nugget that is in your, in your head, in your brain, that you may, somebody may ask you something, or you may be thinking of something and it triggers the memory. Oh, that could be in the, in the folder or in the booklet. And that's why we go over some of it. If you just don't feel that you're able to listen to what we have, just let us know. And we'll stop. Of course, we're there for you. We're not there to cause any more anxiety, anything like that, because we're there for you to assist you during this difficult time. Yeah, for sure. And again, you know, we mentioned it in the last episode, but if you need immediate assist assistance, please call 911, reach out to them. Like we said earlier in this episode, 
they're there to help you. They're not going to be upset with you for calling and they're going to get help out to you as quickly as possible. If you are having thoughts of harming yourself, uh, but they maybe haven't quite reached the need for immediate assistance like that, then dial 988 and talk to that suicide hotline and, you know, reach out to those around you, friends, family members. Like we said before, it's okay to not be okay, you know, but if you, you're having thoughts of hurting yourself or harming yourself, then you definitely want to reach out and, and speak to somebody and get the help that's needed. We want you to still be here. Yes. So thank you for listening yes, to another you. episode of Crucial Connection. Make sure to subscribe, share, and if you could please rate and review it, that would be amazing. We hope that you've enjoyed these episodes so far and we can't wait for what we have in store in the rest of this month alone, but also the rest of this year and into next year. We have so many ideas and just not enough time to record them all at this point, but you can listen on iHeart, Google, Apple, Amazon, Amazon Music sorry, or Spotify, anywhere that you truly love to listen to your podcast, we're probably there. Google's taking a little bit longer to be on for our first episode. So if you still don't see any on Google, then please reach out to us and let us know so we can figure out what's going on there. And one more thing, I know we're mostly talking about the Leander Police Department and we do work with Williamson County and Travis County. Again, there are many different law enforcement agencies a lot of them have victim services. Just do a quick little Google search and there's going to be a lot of information. And you can still share these with people who are living in other states. This is just to give you a basic overview of what resources and information that we in the Leander Police Department in Texas offer to our community, to our citizens, to help them go through their traumatic event and have the information. I always say, Power is knowledge and knowledge is power because it really is. And it helps you cope and it gives you that strength to be able to figure out what the next step needs to be. And we will walk hand in hand with you if that's something that you need as well. But just look to see what your states have to offer and reach out to them. They could always just give you information. Sometimes it's just nice to make contact with somebody, especially if maybe you know somebody who is going through thoughts of hurting themselves or hurting others, it would be great just to get that information so you know what the next step needs to be. Yes. And since it is Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month, we are challenging you to reach out to your friends and family and make sure everybody's okay. Talk to each other. You know, everybody, I feel like, has some hard times yes. and it's crazy expensive to live right now and just buy groceries and stuff like that. So just check on your friends and family this month. That's what we're challenging you to do. Yes. And don't just stop this month, but this month, especially since that is the, the national month that, that it is in September. And again, just subscribe, share and review for us. iHeart, Google, Amazon, Apple, and Spotify, whichever one that you love, you don't have to listen to them on all of them. I promise you can pick one and listen to one of those. And we can't wait to talk to you again later. Thank you. Thank you.